Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to this episode of the Life with a Why interview series podcast. This is the interview series where we find out why people do what they do. And today, we have the second part of a three-part deep dive into the life of Gabrielle Blackwell. Today's episode is different. There are a number of things different. Firstly, today is our very first audio-only episode. Secondly, today's episode is long. When I came out of my conversation with Gabrielle after recording this, this episode, the end file was two and a half hours long. Now, don't worry, I wasn't going to subject you to two and a half hours of our conversation, but the way that today is going to work is that I'm going to pop up and pop in and out after having cut out specific sections. So I'll give context for specific sections, I will allow Gabrielle to explain her piece on particular pieces, and I'll give some commentary as we go through. This is a new format for the podcast. If you like it, let me know, and if you don't, please do let me know. Funnily enough, the way, the reason that today's episode was so long is with an hour and a half left to go in the recording, I ask Gabrielle, so I have one last question for you. And if you want to find out what that is, you're going to have to listen to the rest of the episode. But she goes on to describe an event in her life that is really pivotal. She goes on to describe something that caused her to have the breakdown that she mentions in episode one. And unfortunately, it is a story that is more common than should be. I get the feeling that there are many people who will have a story similar to this who won't have a platform like this to talk about. Um, I ran the first half of this episode as per usual, but as you'll see, there is no way of cutting a story like this short. So, that is why today's episode is so long. If you need to do it in pieces, please do. But please do listen to it all, because it's a very important story that needs to be told. Today, we learn why somebody deconstructs the patterns of their own mind. Why somebody challenges their own beliefs and leads to challenging their own beliefs. And how somebody reacts to a very particular incident that, unfortunately, is more common than it should be. With that being said... Welcome to this episode of the Life of the Why interview series. Let's crack into it. Gabrielle Blackwell, welcome back to the second episode. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm all good. Different background, different life, different country. But hey, that's how uh, that's how this works. Different background, same life, same country. Nice one. I'm, I'm glad that room. we're kind of... Different same room. house, different room. <laughs> but you still got Luna. I still have Luna. Luna is passed out on the bed chilling uh living yeah. her best life i'm quite absolutely glad. A, a blanket fortress for her to sleep on so here I'll, I'll give you a little sneak peek of the dog right over there again anybody listening to this needs to watch the actual video because <laughs> that was very cute um so um today i would like to chat a little bit more about the first half of your life or when i say half it's more so the first 90 percent but hey yes um and what we talked about last week by the way anybody listening if you have not listened to last week's episode really stop this now go back to it um a lot of this won't make sense unless you unless you have some of our background but last week we talked about your life as a whole uh the the journey that you've been on the different sections that you've had we kind of 
touched on a couple of different impacts. So the impact of your family, the impact of your work, the impact of knowing yourself, how you came to that. Uh, there was a very specific turning point. And again, I feel like we chatted a lot and touched on a lot of different icebergs, but never actually delved really deep into anything other than your transformation. We, we did yep. look at that, but everything else, everything that led up to it. Um, and that's what I'd like to talk about today. There was a very specific period in your life that we talked about last time, and you mentioned it as 10 to 27. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll kind of classify this period as not knowing who you were or your ideas to who you were weren't necessarily the, the reality. You kind of lost touch with, with yourself. Um, and that is the area that I'd like to talk about today. My goal is that at some stage, you mentioned something that registers in, a, in the brains of one of our listeners, and they might realize that they are in that moment of their lives without necessarily knowing it. Um, but there were quite a few things that happened during that time that I'd love to, to look at and not necessarily look at what happened, but more so look at the, the reactions that you had and how you internalize these things and how they looked to the outside as compared to what was going on inside. Um, yep. so that's kind of what we're going to look at, look at today, uh, the sort of pre-transformation Gabriella 1.0. Um, but there's, there is a Gabrielle question. <laughs> <laughs> the OG. Um, but there is one question that I'd like to ask before we sort of crack into anything. Last week, we talked for the guts of an hour um, about all of the different turning points and changes in your life. And I found it really interesting that not once did you mention your divorce. So because that's typically a massive changing. That's typically a massive turning point. There's something drastically wrong that people need to change. And then that becomes a catalyst. Okay, I need to remove myself from this, which changes all of this. Yeah. It's really interesting that that didn't come up. So I'd love to ask, what didn't change with the divorce? How come that wasn't a, a catalyst moment for you? Yes. So I think there was, there was, there was a catalytic impact of it, right? Uh, hey, listen, there, there was this... Um, I think there was something that I was pursuing when I went to Paris, when I got married, and there was a recognition that, wow, I'm pursuing something. Um, number one, I didn't recognize that I was pursuing it. Number two, I didn't know where to get it. And so I'll, I'll walk you through an experience that I had. And I think this was really, it wasn't the fact that I, I got divorced, that I left my ex. It was, all right, I was having a terrible, terrible time in this relationship, right? He was, um, emotionally abusive. He attempted to be physically abusive. Um, he was very, very absent, right? I, I was working so many jobs, I couldn't get anywhere. Um, and then, you know, I'd come home and all my cash would be gone, right? So um, there was that experience that I had. And I remember it got so bad to the point where I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I, I lost my appetite. I couldn't actually stomach food anymore. I kind of, I stopped, I, I wasn't sleeping. I would just always be on the move. I think I probably dropped like 15 pounds in a really short amount of time. Um, and I just felt like I was spiraling. And with this, I remember having a conversation with my mom one day and she's like, you know, Gabrielle, you really should go see someone, like go talk to someone about this. And, um, and I went to this therapist, her name was uh, Marjorie. 
And I remember um, in our first session, and I was talking about this marriage, right, that I was in and like not really knowing what to do and what was going on. I remember she had me do this exercise. And I like this to me was, I think, I think with this divorce or like with being, it wasn't even just the divorce. It was being with this person, feeling the way that I felt. Um, and then that leading me to this therapist where we did this exercise. Uh, and the exercise was, all right, on one sheet of paper, like on one side, you know, put numbers one through 20. Right. Um, and then I want, and then she's like, I want you to write down all of the reasons why I married him. His name was Tristan. She's like, write down uh, 20 reasons why you married Tristan. And she's like, I'll give you like two minutes to do this. And she's just like, whatever comes up, write it down. Um, and if it, I mean, it comes up two times, right. That's totally okay. So did that exercise. And then at the end of those two minutes, she's like, now I want you to spend uh, 45 seconds or a minute and circle the top three that are resonating the most. Okay, cool. Now, once I had that, she's like, now I want you to, of those three, underline the one that resonates the most. And the one that resonated the most was I married him to be happy. Like I thought that marrying him would make me happy. So that is like, so I think there's like, that was the truth, right? Of Right. This is, you know, figuring out like, why do people do the things that they do? For me, I didn't even recognize that I was in this pursuit of happiness. And if I were to flip this, I think why the divorce in and of itself or the, all the events that led to it weren't necessarily a transformational period. It was definitely a, a stepping stone, but it wasn't, um, it, it didn't change anything for me because I still hadn't yet I, I had not yet confronted the fact that it wasn't just a matter of the pursuit of happiness. It was the awareness that I was deeply sad, that I was constantly in a state of mourning, constantly in a state of grief, right? And so um, the marriage was an effort to try and mask that, but I wasn't actually getting to what is the root cause of that sadness? What's the root cause of the mourning? What's the root cause of the grief, right? Like what is keeping me from actually being able to move through this? And instead it was, it might've been a marriage. It might've been drinking. It might've been drugs. It might've been like uh, nights of just being an absolute, like what's the word that I want? Um, degen like degenerate, right? So like, and then I think that, you know, so, you know, I, I had left my ex-husband, I came back home um, to Chicago, I, and then all of a sudden I just, I, I'll say this, like, I, I did throw myself into work at the time, the awareness that I had was, I need to be able to take care of myself, I was in survival mode. I didn't have time to think about my divorce. I didn't have time to think about Tristan, I didn't have time to recognize, oh, wow, I just went through, like, this hellish relationship and I think the truth of it is it was I was kind of used to being in hellish relationships it's like okay well so there's there's also that piece too right of like all right hey I find myself in these places right where I'm constantly grieving I'm constantly mourning I I, I wasn't necessarily growing as a person yes like I had a job yes I could build out my LinkedIn resume or my LinkedIn profile I could build out my resume um and I really asked me one question. I went on a full tangent, but you're you're going to take this. So um, there is a there was I I could do all these things, but what I had to recognize was like again, what is the root cause of all these things? And there's this quote that I I really do appreciate so so much. And I'm paraphrasing, but it's a lousy quote. And um, it's like, all right, you know, be mindful of your thoughts; they become your words. Be mindful of your words; they become your actions. Be mindful of your actions; they become your nature. 
mindful of that, right? Because essentially it's your, it's your destiny. So um, I had to, I, I, I've contemplated this quote for years, right? And a couple of years ago, I took the time just to go, well, okay, like, you know, essentially we're saying words are coming from thoughts, but where do thoughts come from? And for me, I was like, the problem, uh, and the answer that I came up with was core beliefs about myself. And I, I have recently, um, I don't see this therapist anymore. I don't go to this therapist anymore, but the most recent therapist that I had, one of the things that he talked to me about quite a bit was there are these agreements that we make with ourselves when we're children, right? For example, so um, we're probably gonna get to the point of my dad eventually, but let's say my dad leaves, right? He said like, well, he's, it's like, I, I was hanging, I would go over to his house. I'd hang out with him, hang out with my half siblings right? He drops me off at home. He tells me, hey, listen, I'm going to pick you up. You're going to spend the entire summer with me. I'm like, this is going to be great, right? And then he never shows summer over summer over summer, right? So no one's sitting there and going, hey, Gabrielle, the reason that your father did what he did is because of X, Y, and Z. So instead I go, all right, the re I make up my own reasons. And my reason was, okay, well, he's got three kids already. Maybe he doesn't need another one. Maybe I'm not good enough. So like for me, I could go into like, so I'm like that to me, like if that core belief still exists and that shows up, like it starts with my father, it shows up in my marriage. Okay, like this person is, uh, is calling me all crazy kinds of names and yelling at me and screaming at me and is never there and like takes all my stuff and it's, it just tries to control me maybe, maybe I'm just not good enough, you know, like maybe I'm a bad person and this is why I'm getting what I'm getting. And so I essentially rationalize awful treatment. And so that is something that continues with me, right? Because I think what ended up happening was the big wake up call for me was when that, like, because again, I hadn't changed, like me leaving my, leaving my ex-husband, none of my beliefs changed. Everything on the outside, everyone, everything that everyone could perceive Yes, but that's, that's illusion, right? <laughs> like, it's like, you know, just, it's illusion. But like, at the core of it all, nothing actually changed. So I would continue from, you know, during that 10 to 27 time, right, or even leaving, leaving Tristan, I would continue to find myself in areas or environments where I was receiving really similar treatment. Because, and I would go, I would do, I would go, okay, right? Like, I would acquiesce. We're gonna take a little bit of a jump here now to when Gabrielle starts to talk about the belief that she has and what happens to this belief, the, the belief that she has had throughout the entirety of her, of her marriage and her divorce. What happens when she meets somebody or meets people that don't conform to that belief? Right. It's like, this is where I am. I'm stuck. Right. I don't, I don't even think I know that I'm stuck. I'm like, no, this is just life. Cause again, the belief is there. The belief says I'm not good. I'm bad. So it was, right? I deserve to be. And so therefore me, I'm, this is punishment for some, from some fatal characteristic about myself that is intrinsic to who I am as a person. Right. So like that to me, without actually so again like the the piece of like the leaving my ex it i think it was that what that could have been a lesson for mm -hmm. me to go i really need to explore my beliefs right 
you know, like that could have, that could have, I guess like the hero's journey, right? Like the hero ignores the first call <laughs> and then there's another call they can't ignore. So like that could have been a call and I didn't necessarily have the, I didn't, I didn't either, I, I was unwilling to, or I didn't know how, right? There was not like to actually be able to receive that signal and to, or or better yet to even know what to do with that signal. Like I know, wow, I know that something's wrong, but I internalized it right? There's something wrong here. It must be me. You needed an entire paradigm shift. And the reason that I asked the, the comfortable question was, and you, I think I used the wrong terminology, but it more so what I spotted was the familiarity, like the familiarity of that prison that you talked about, that there was no other way than living inside this, this way of doing things. People treat me this particular way and then anything so if somebody had come into your life yeah. that had treated you in a way that wasn't this that would have been seen as the other that would have been seen as something oh, different and, and then that would have been rejected right like that's probably when we get into these like different attachment styles um i don't always like to talk in the in the way of it might be a, a bit more academic right until like yeah it might that language but there's the like anxious fearful piece of things right so if someone so i think that there can be this piece of oh if someone demonstrates kind sincere kindness and sincere care i go what are their ulterior motives i can't trust them <laughs> uh, in our very first uh, introductory call in our very first call where we agreed to to go on this uh <laughs> you wanted to know what my ulterior motives were for doing this uh <laughs> this podcast <laughs> Now that I it's think of funny. it, I was I was talking yeah. to someone recently, and and I was uh, there. I, I think there's there can be two ways. Like, okay, in the past, there was oh someone oh someone's being nice. This is weird, right? I think that's the so. If anything, um, the way that I think about this, it starts to aggravate the belief, right? So if the belief is like. All right, the, this belief, this agreement that I that I made, right, years and years and years and years and years ago, right, and there's all this, excuse my language, all this shit that just piles on top of it and it just like shields itself. Like I, I think it's like the Wizard of Oz, like don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain, right? So it's like you know presents itself as this all powerful Oz kind of thing. In this next section, I ask Gab, I asked Gabrielle how she got into sales, and we talked about that for a little bit. But if I'm being honest, when I go back into my editing, that's something that you can find out on other podcasts, and that's something that you can also find out just on her LinkedIn. We spent the next little while talking about how she got into sales, and in a nutshell, she had asked, she had decided that the best way to be the person that she wanted to be was to model herself around the idea of being a CEO. She then did some research and realized that a lot of CEOs start in sales. So she took on an SDR job, um, killed it in the SDR job. Uh, then as her career progressed, she was promoted to an account executive uh, at two different companies. And now she's an SDR manager. We still talk about her career in this next section, but rather than asking her, you know, I've, I fell into the trap of asking her a CV question. Instead, what we're going to hear now is a little bit more as to the why and to the emotions around this career piece in her life. 
Um, well, how did someone like yourself, whose paradigm has mostly been kindness is suspicious, good things are suspicious, uh, starting in a sales position whereby you're treated somewhat well, uh, yeah. how did that gel? You know what? I've so here's the thing. Like I've had I've had folks in my life. Um, I, I think about this. You know what? I'm glad that you asked this question because real talk, I almost did not accept an offer from that company. Like I, really? I almost self-sabotaged for real. Uh, and it makes me, I was thinking about this the other day and it made me laugh because I remember um, I applied on a Wednesday and I started my first day the following Wednesday. It was like that, right? And this is after like two or three weeks of running around like a chicken with his head cut off interviewing for these other roles. And I never even got past the phone screen. Right. So I, I think I also remember um, what was going on with me at that moment. I can actually recall going into that phone interview, right. I had actually met up for coffee with my, with my godmother, Vanessa. And I was, there was a bunch of stuff that was happening in, in, in like personal life. And I was sharing with her about it. And I just remember her going, don't you have an interview? Like, do you want to like chill out for a minute before you go into it? And I was like, you know what? I don't even, like, at this point, I'm like, I don't even care. Like, I don't even know if this whole sales thing is for me, whatever. I'm just going to go in and I'm going to have some fun. Right. And so like, and if they don't want me, like, whatever, I'm awesome. Like, that's where I was. <laughs> like, I was like, so like, I, I do think that like, I had this, um, there was, it was, it was a bit of like a, like a, uh, abandon, like, but in a, in a positive way, which was, I'm just not going to take all this stuff so seriously anymore. Like, whatever, who cares if it doesn't work out. That's just another interview out of the 30 that I've done that hasn't worked out. So I think I'm just gonna have, I'm just gonna have to kind of roll with the punches. And so I remember I had a meeting or I had this phone call. And so uh, uh, the, the, the hiring manager who ended up being my boss, really great guy, his name's Dan Barr. And, um, and we were talking and, and I think there's, there was this point in time where I was really trying to like present myself very well. Like, all right, I have these abilities and leadership and blah, blah. And he goes, listen, I don't give a shit about it. So he swore and I was like, time out. This man talks like I do. Um, and so like, there was just certain things about him where uh, like, I was like, I was having fun. And I think like he created an environment where that fun could happen. And it wasn't just a matter of like, it wasn't a matter about the job. It was just more like, you know what? I'm in a place where I'm just not going to take myself so seriously anymore. I'm just going to have some fun with it. And, and he's like, hey, listen, you're a rock star. You're this, you're that. And also in the background, because he like this was like the one glimmering moment. My life overall, like, like that was maybe 20% of the goodness or 20% of overall thing. So it's 20% goodness and there's like 80% shit, right? With like family and whatever. So I was like, you know what? It was almost like, it was like a distraction. <laughs> like it almost felt a little bit like a distraction from my family crap. Um, it also was kind of like a big middle finger to all my family crap and to my ex, right? All the people who told me that I couldn't do stuff. I had my ability just to be like, you know what? Screw y'all. Y'all suck. I'm out here. I'm about to be on my boss babe shit. Don't, like come at me, you know? So I, I was very much in this again, like I was kind of like in, I was in like survival mode. I, I, I was like, I need a job. I need to go do something at the end. And so I think honestly, it was probably just, it was probably favor, right? Like I definitely believe in like the universe and divine and things like that. And um, I'm like, that to me was, was 
fortune, I believe, where I was ready to receive the experience at the time that I needed. But even um, when I went to go meet up with Dan in person and he offered me the job, uh, I was just like, I legit said, I don't know if I can take this job. And he goes, why not? And I was like, I don't think my mom would approve. I said that in an interview. I said that. <laughs> and he goes, um, and he goes, he goes, well, let me go talk to your mom. And I was like, this dude is cool. So I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna ask why your mom wouldn't approve, but I would love to know. Because nobody was approving of anything that I did. So again, well, like it was very much like F you. And I was like, this guy, one of the this things, guy is like, he's he's in my camp, you know? <laughs> one of the things I'd love to know is why your mom so why why your mom was the first thing that pops into your mind like why was oh you know uh, i don't think i can take this uh I, I don't think i can do this um and why not and there are lots of reasons why not i'm not good enough i'm not this i'm not that i don't know etc cetera, etc cetera. particularly when you meet someone like the person that you're describing um <laughs> the first response is to throw your mom under the bus and be like it's mom's fault it's mom <laughs> I, I, so, I mean, we, we kind of, I don't know if it was, if it's during the episode itself, like when we're recording or when we are having a conversation before we, we kick things off, but this piece of like, not really knowing myself and having to more than anything, please other people, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's where I derive my self-worth from. And so, you know, it, 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 it it's um, me going into sales was uh it was and you know it's it's kind of symbolic i guess like that to me was probably more more interesting right than even the divorce the divorce led me to that or like leaving because i didn't finalize the divorce until like a couple years afterwards but there was this expectation of what i was going to do and who i was going to be and how i was going to make money right and even to the point of oh hey gabrielle you need to do x y and z so that you can take care of me when i'm older right so it very much was all right there's this like there's this predestined path that you must follow. And I kind of had zero, wow, as I'm saying these things out loud, I got, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to meditate after this episode, <laughs> like after we're done recording, but It'll like- the right things though? Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's this piece of, um, I was doing some research yesterday. And the reason why I just even said that I was doing some research yesterday and they were talking about like why like individual development plans fail, right? And the, and the number one reason why is because um, there is no, it's not driven by the individual, right? It's an individual development plan that's not driven by the individual. And that's the number one reason why it fails. So and more so, so the manager I, saying, this is what I expect of you rather than the rep saying, this is what I expect of myself. Exactly, okay. right? Right, yeah. So it's like, hey, or even just, hey, we can have the exact same expectations for the role because that should be pretty straightforward, or at least we hope it should be straightforward, right? It's more like, hey, listen, it's the how I get there, right? So um, there was no, with, with it wasn't just my mom, it was my family overall, because I was also somebody in my family who I believe people go, like, they looked at me and they go, wow, you show a lot of promise. You show a lot of potential. I went to a really, really good college that was like, let's, um, well, it's very renowned for its economics program, right? People from econ will get into like investment banking. So my whole family was like, oh, Gabrielle, like, you're going to make a shit ton of money. And no one actually cared about if I wanted to do that or not. 
So there was, there was, there was more so of that. It's like, all right, Gabrielle, you need to graduate from school. You need to go to law school. You need to become a lawyer. And if you do these things, then you're going to be happy, right? You're going to get married and that's, what's going to make you happy versus actually being curious about, all right, Hey, like, what is it that, that, that inspires a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction and joy and happiness within you, right? Like what, like, what is it that makes you feel strong and empowered? And then what are the things that will allow you to express that and to experience that to its fullest? And that should be your path. We then go on to more, again, CV-related things. Um, but I make a quick observation, and that's what the next question is about. Yeah, again, it seems like you've kind of done this thing. This is the only place I can experience this success in. This is the... It took you a while to realize that this isn't the only marriage that I can be happy in, that this is the, the yeah, this is very, the only familial relationship that I can yeah, work with. Uh, it was um, very fixed mindset, mm. very fixed mindset. And so I remember, so like, all right, so what's up happening after that company is, uh, so as I mentioned, the CRO, the VP of like, they leave, like, yeah, CRO leaves, the VP of sales leaves with him and they go to this other company and I go with them, right? Or base, I didn't even just go with them. I was just like, I, I was just, honestly, I had not stepped into, I had not possessed my own power. That's the best way to put this was a lot of my success is dependent upon being at this company with this boss, right? I had not yet. I think that's the piece, right? Even though I can do really well, I can do really well with my abilities. I don't see that as a reflection of me. I see that more as like, I don't accept it. So we talked about like being able to receive and accept good things, it's not just good things like with other people, it's also the good things about myself, right? So like if I hadn't yet recognized, oh, wow. I, Cause again, I was, I was just, I was going, right? Like I was like, I'm, I wanna do really great work. I wanna be the best, right? Like I don't want there to be any doubts. And that was the number one driver for me was basically like if I can shut everybody up then maybe I'll be safe. Right. So, so that was a drive and it had nothing to do with me personally. So it's more like, I think even in that model, if I, like it, it warps because what ends up happening is like, I had a boss at that time, Dan, I had a leader, I had a leader that I was reporting to, right. That I was following and he cared about me as a person deeply right? I could tell him about what was happening with my family. I could tell him about what was happening with my ex-husband and he could relate, right? Because he, there was things that there was, it wasn't the same experience, but there was experiences that he had where he could, he could, um, we can connect at Mm -hmm. that level, right? And then also he just let me be as I was, right? He encouraged me. I could be vulnerable. I could be authentic. And he, like, I just remember being like, I was like, Dan, I'm like a rock star. And he's like, yes, yes, you are, you know? And it took a lot for me to say that. And I think he recognized that. So he, I'm getting like emotional now, but like that to me, I, I, I don't know, like the model that he demonstrated to me is very much like the legacy that I want to carry on as a leader. Right. And that I want to build upon and that I want to get better at. Um, so but I just, I think I, I took it for granted that someone like Dan is a rarity. I didn't know like that not everybody is like that. And so when I went to this next place, um, even though there was similar leadership, right, that had like hired Dan, 
and they're especially the VP of sales, his name was Tim, like Tim was, was similar, right? He cared about me as a person. He cheered me on. He like, even in that, in that next role that I had, cause I had been promoted from an SDR. I moved into an AE role and I was struggling. I'd also gotten into a car accident. I had a really bad concussion. I moved out the, there was a lot of chaos, right? I'd been promoted. There was a lot going on and there was not a matter of the person that I was reporting to. Like he, like he was not somebody who took the time to recognize my strengths he was not the person who got, who was like ultra interested and demonstrated. And I think it was probably some more, more so like, wasn't aware that that was important versus like just willingly not doing it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I, 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 I struggled. I really did struggle, but I had someone like Tim who could like essentially be a sponsor, be a mentor. He introduced me to other people at the organization. So I still had someone who could demonstrate that to me. Um, I ended up actually getting let go from that company, despite being like the number one performer in my region, which sucked. Um, and like, you know, having figured something out. And so I think like, and that was, uh, I also, when I, I got let go from CloudWords, so oh, I didn't, whatever, I got let go from CloudWords. I'm saying the names. I got let go from the first company in, um, in February or March of that year. And then I got let go from the second company in October of that same year. These so are like, these are six months since six months. Yeah. So like I, I had been at that first company for about a year, okay. top performing rep. I'd gone to this new company transitioned from being an SDR to an AE had the highest quota attainment, right. was also in like the top. I was, yeah. I was like, I was in the top 10%, I think, or yeah, I think I was in like in the top 10% or so for top 15% for like, there was a couple of other like um, uh, uh, retention and upsell, right? Like okay. metrics that were happening for, for AEs too. Very important. Yeah. So like, so I was, I was a like in that regard, right. I was somebody who was demonstrating exceptional performance in the organization and I still got let go. And so I think there's, so then, so, you know, I talked about how like my dad left and like, it's like, I, I can't, I didn't have any rationale for it. So I made something up for myself to help myself out. Mm -hmm. And so I think like, you know, you experience something like that where again, like March of one year in March, I get let go, right? I started a new company. I started a new company. I get promoted. I move to a new, to a totally new place. Um, a month after that, I think it was June or July, I get into a car accident, right? I get hurled off of a out of a moving vehicle have a major concussion while still at the same time holding a quota and not taking the time to go on leave because I'm like, no, if I go on leave, I'm going to let go. Like I have to work the end. Um, and I find my way up to being a top performing rep, right? By October or by the end of September. And then in October, I get let go, right? Then I have to go, holy crap, who was I to believe that I could do this? Yeah. Right. Well, and I regress and I regress back into that belief set of I'm not good enough. Right. Or, or whatever else it is. Like there's something um, there's something that I did. Well, that brings me to the last question of the day. OK. And here we are. This is what I thought was going to be the very last question of the day. And as you can see from the timestamps, it wasn't. There's very little editing from this point onwards, because the story that we're about to get is so important. I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable making the decision, no, this section of this story is not as important as others. 
Um, if you need to take a break at this stage and to come back to this after a little while, that makes a lot of sense. But please do listen to this next section in its entirety. Um, up until this point, I had ran this episode like any normal episode. Um, we had talked about quite a few different things. I had a prepared-ish list of questions and I felt that we had talked about everything that Gabrielle and I had had planned on talking about in our prep session for this for this episode. But then she brings up this section. I had no idea about the story. I had no idea about where it was going to go. And I'm very glad that it's a story that we got to share here. That being said, please enjoy it. Uh, well, as much as, as much as one can enjoy a story like this. And I hope it brings a little bit of clarity to what we talked about in episode one. Here we go. Well, that brings me yep. to the last question of the day. Okay. When we talk about your life between the ages of 10 and 27, that ends at the breakdown that we talked about last week. And we kind of delved into the breakdown itself. But what I thought was quite interesting was there was no switch. There was no big, uh, big, small, major event that happened, notable event that happened that caused this, or at least not one that we talked about. Oh, there is one. Oh, there is one. Yeah. Um, was it a it was strong... probably there's probably all of those events. I was going to ask, was it was it a large it, event that tipped or was it a straw that broke the camel's back? I I believe it was the straw. So I, I talk about I, I think as we've been as I've been sharing what surfaces up for me as a recurring theme is this belief, mm. right? I, there's something wrong. There's something about me specifically that is not deserving. And and there's actually, we didn't get to this, but like I can I, re, I can recall a specific conversation that I have with my dad in particular, where um and we talked about the concept of love because I I tried to actually reject him when he came back. I was just like, no, you are not my father. I'm like, you might be my father biologically, but you are not my dad. And he very, very quickly, very, very prompt, um, uh, promptly, um, I believe, like, misused or abused his position as an adult with a child in saying that I didn't know that I was a kid and I didn't know anything about love. And so as a child, I internalized that big time. So, like, I was literally just about to say, I think... I think I, if there's, it wasn't just a matter of this belief of like, all right, I'm not good enough. I'm bad. But I think the underlying piece of this is I am not deserving of love. You mentioned that last week as well. Right. So that to me is the thing that keeps on popping up. Right. Like that, 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 that is like, that keeps on popping up. And so there was a very extreme event that happened. Like there was, there was a series of little tiny, like microaggressions is what I'll call them at this one company that I worked at. And then there was a huge macro one, one that like, it, so in the past, right before that time, the little micro things, they're so subtle, so nuanced where I'm like, all right, I know it's having a toll on me, but like, maybe, maybe it can get better. So what was that big event? Yeah. So, all right, this, uh, I was, um, there had been a series of, of things that had happened. There's a company that I worked at. Um, I talked about like, there's these microaggressions that were happening 
And again, like these were things where it's like, they're so subtle, so nuanced. Um, and maybe if I, if I advocate for myself, right, there's an opportunity that these microaggressions will stop. So it was, it was, I was tolerating, was tolerating that experience. Tolerating. Yeah. Tolerating. And so there was, um, I had, I had surfaced up concerns because there was a particular executive at that company who was a major contributor to the microaggressions that I was experiencing. And I was encouraged to sit down with this executive at the company. And so this is me. I was, I just turned 27 years old, um, uh, was the youngest leader at the organization as well, had been experiencing all types of microaggressions from different folks. And I was like, at some point in time, they're going to get sick of me, you know? And this was a very, very high ranking, um, executive at the company too. So, um, I, I remember the day before I was supposed to go and have a conversation with this person. It was facilitated by our HR, our HR um, leader. Uh, there was like a, a sales team outing because it was right around the time of Christmas, right? So it's like, hey, like, let's do like a, a winter happy hour kind of thing. And I, and I was just, you could like my, um, there's folks on my team and they could tell that there was something on my mind. They're like, are you okay? What's going on? Um, you know, coworkers were, you know, friendly. They, they were like, yo, GB, what's going on? How's it going? And there was one person in particular um, who would, this is the person who is like, it's, this is, this is the person who's going to show up in a moment. But um, I just remember I was, I was talking to one of my friends and this person was present, right? And they're like, they're like, why are you stressing out? Right? What's going on? And I was just like, you know what? Honestly, I have to go and have this conversation with this executive tomorrow. And I'm really, really nervous about it, right? Because this, this person is, you know, making black jokes all the time and telling me how they can't be seen walking around. I was living in Portland, Oregon, has a pretty weird history with black people. But as a camp, he had shared they can't be seen walking around with a black woman in, in Portland, Oregon. Uh, um, jokingly or seriously? Um, Not that it matters, I but I'm intrigued. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. And I did not ask the question, but I know the words that he said, right? And, he, and I think, and honestly, I think the, I remember, I do recall this person also laughed. And I think that also was infuriating. Like, mm. I think the I'm joke, the, the, right? So, the overtness of it. But yeah, I think we've got, yeah. think we've got a very solid picture of a very particular type yeah, of person in so, our head. I just, I, so I, uh, I, I honestly, at that point in time, I kind of knew in my heart of hearts that I was going to have to leave the company, right? It was just really just a matter of time. And I was having a hard time with that. And I was, you know, like, I was like, I'm going to have this conversation. I keep on bringing stuff up at some point in time. I'm probably going to have to admit, right, that I, that I need to go. And that, that was really what was present for me. I didn't articulate that I was going to have to leave the company, but I, I was like, all right, I'm going to have to have a conversation nonetheless. Um, cause I, yeah, I'm gonna have to have a conversation nonetheless. And so there was this person talked about this character. Um, let's, uh, let's make up a name for this person. Let's it's call colleague it. and exec, isn't it? It's just colleague and exec. Yeah, let's do colleague. Thank you. So, um, so the the colleague uh, is like, hey, let me drive you home, right? Like, where do you live? And I, so I just, I lived um, from where we were, 
like I could have walked home in 10 or 15 minutes and she's like no like let me drive you home I'm like all right cool so uh as we were driving down the street she's like hey how about this let's stop let's stop off at a bar right let's get a drink I'll, I'll buy you a drink so I was like okay cool no problem so um so we go inside of the bar and uh she buys I just I remember she bought I think she bought a, a shot of tequila in this really sweet disgusting wine and uh she proceeds the de- the, to then share with me how I cannot go and have a conversation with the executive the next day um and and I was like well what do you mean and she's like she's like let me tell you this you're not going to go and have this conversation with the executive tomorrow uh and and then proceeds to tell me there was I, I don't recall every single thing that she shared but there are many things such as if you go and tell, or if you go and have this conversation with with uh, with the executive, you're gonna ruin the company. You're gonna ruin the community, right? Um, she then proceeds to tell me that um, I need to keep my mouth shut. That I'm experiencing an identity crisis because I can't decide whether I want to be in sales or if I want to be in marketing. Uh, she then proceeds to share that I talk too much about being a black woman and that I should just shut my mouth and do my job. Um, essentially, she continues just to replay this, this message of know your place over and over and over again. And so when I, I'm, I'm very much like, uh, and it was interesting because in that moment, I could see that she was, that my colleague was really like, because um, she was very, how to put this, like very impassioned, very expressive, very, it, it seemed like she was, um, What's the word that I want to use? It was like this unfurling that was happening. What did you say? Animated. There, it was animated, but it was almost like a like someone who's like losing themselves. Animated, right? In the sense of like, it, it seemed as though like there was something going on with her, right? It wasn't. It wasn't just an angriness. And I remember my response to it was, I was curious about what she had to say. I was like, oh wow, it seems like she's really distressed right now. I didn't even recognize the fact that I was like, oh, wow, this person is verbally assaulting me right now. Wow. And it continues to get worse, right? So I, so I'm, I'm like, wait, like, where is this? You know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, actually, is what's happening is um, I'm like, well, like, I was like, you know, it seems like you're really upset right now. Like, what's, what's going on? Um, I like wanted to like console her. Ember, she just kept on hammering home. And then she started talking about I remember there was one phrase in particular that she had shared with me. She goes, she goes, you have a black vagina. So what? Stop talking about it. Legitimate words that she had shared with me. Um, she then proceeds to tell, like she, so she just keeps on going and going and going and it keeps on getting angrier and angrier and angrier. Um, and, and it's like, it's just mean is what it is. It's just terribly, terribly mean. And I just remember there was one moment where, cause like uh, she was still, she was still trying to scare me out of having a conversation with the executive the next day. Um, and yes, yeah, so she's trying to scare me out of having a conversation with the executive the next mm-hmm. day. And I just, and I wasn't, and I wasn't, I was resolute. I was like, I, I just wasn't phased by the antics is what was happening. And then once, and then when she, I think when she realized that I wasn't even, so she had already said like so many 
awful things. And I think I was probably just so numbed out from everything that was happening. I didn't really recognize like how hurtful the words that she was sharing with me were. Um, and then there came that moment where she goes, if you go and have this conversation with the executive, I will be sure to have you fired. And she was in a position to be able to actually execute on that promise. And that's the moment where I woke up and I was just like, wait a minute, you can't do that, right? And she's like, why not? And I was like, because you would be retaliating against me and that's illegal. And so I just, and I remember she stood up and she screamed and she like drops her drink and she's like, you and your big words, right? And then, and then she, and she just storms out. And that was it. I'd like to make one observation on this, if that's okay. One, please. Damn, what a, what a, what a thing to go through. Um, like, yeah, you had shared that you were so nervous about this, and then just somebody else feels scared about themselves, and then takes it on. Um, but here's one. Here's a thought that I had while you were talking about that. This woman was shouting at you. She was giving you quite a bit of verbal abuse about everything. I wonder if you were numb to it because it was things that you'd also said to yourself before she managed to verbalize it on her end. Was that why it didn't have an impact? Because you'd heard it all before just coming from your own head rather than coming from this random, I'm assuming, white lady. (laughs) How'd you know? Um, I... I don't, I don't, I can't say that I had thought about those things. Like I believed what she was saying. I think there was the fear that I had that, all right, does it matter if I advocate for myself or not? These folks are only going to see me one way. And that one way isn't what they're willing to receive. So I think that was the fear was no matter if I, because as I mentioned, there's these microaggressions that are happening. Um, and my, and it's like, I, if I can, you know, if I can be more eloquent, if I can do enough research, it right? Was, it was very interesting when you said the words microaggressions. So in my, in my world, the word microaggression is very much um, attached to the issue of race. Um, yes. However, when we were talking about it at the beginning, it was almost as though you were picking it up as like a random word to use for something else. Um, oh no it's 100 percent related to race and then that's what, that's what i that's i that's fully what i meant by it was i exactly. was the only the only black woman in the organization um there were at that time at the time that i left there would only be three black people including myself at that organization um, um i was the only black leader at that organization as well and in the state that i worked in they have a really really just it's not even complicated, right? Because say everything in everything within the US when it comes to race is very complicated. But I mean, this was a state that was so um, abhor- abhorrent to black people that when it constituted as a state, they made slavery illegal because they wanted to they wanted it to be a white utopia. They're like, don't even have and don't even have black people here. Like uh-huh. there are sun still sundown laws that are in place in that state, meaning that if you are black and you are out past a certain time, you are breaking the law. So that is what I mean by 
like it so I, I think there was this recognition that I had because it's also the hardest part about it was this you know what now that I'm saying this out loud this is something that I continue again it continually pops up for me is this is I I, I got into sales because I had this vision right being a CEO and I was like where do CEOs start it's like a lot of so and I, I was like I I, I purposely and very intentionally chose sales right and I had an experience when I first got in and I go I'm on the right path right I have a series of experiences like being let go twice in one year and I go oh man this sucks right and I can bounce back and so even with that I thoughtfully chose a company that I felt like I'd have the best chance at bouncing back at they were growing and like by bouncing back was like, all right, I can get promoted very quickly kind of thing. I was like, I can get back on my path to promotion. I have to be at a company that's growing and growing very quickly because they're going to be investing a lot. Was that this company? This, that's the company where I had that experience at. So and you go so, from two, uh, two layoffs in 12 months to a new company. How long did you spend in that new company? Um, about a year, uh, a little over a year, a little over a year there. And then you have this experience. Oh and yeah. It was like on my one year, it was like a day after my one year anniversary. And is this then when, um, and then three, you went into the bookstore? Three weeks later is when I had my, when I had my breakdown. Did you talk to the executive? I did. Oh, the, the um, next day I did talk time. to the executive the next day. Good. I was not. I can't imagine it went very well. It, it did what it needed to do. I, the night before, after my colleague stormed out of the, stormed out of the bar, I, there was, again, it's like, I woke up. I like, I was like aware of like what had just happened. You know, I was like, oh, I can't ignore this. Right. And I think there's also that, it's that fear that sets in, which is how am I going to take care of myself? And there's, and I don't know that I had put it all together at that time, but there is for me that constant, it's, it's, um, there's something, it's like a thought of some sort that goes, can I actually have the dreams that I have in the body that I occupy? Meaning, can I, can I, can I, you know, so, and so this to me goes, uh, I, man, I go to a coach for this stuff of like, right, the goal attainment piece of thing of, you know, it's not just a matter of having goals, but I have a deep seated belief that I have the ability to accomplish those goals. And so there are, there have been so many, it wasn't just this company, there has been so many experiences that I've had, like, and it's not just work. It's not just work. It's been in school. It's been in sports, which is I, 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 work or I work for, or I play for people who, when they see me, they don't see a top performer. It doesn't matter what I do. doesn't matter what I say. doesn't matter how hard I work. doesn't matter what I, I could, I could be the highest scoring person. They don't respect me as I am, who I am, and I mean, you guys, like, that's like where the bias comes in, right? Really big time. Some of that bias means, okay, I don't get promoted. Sometimes it means I don't get the resources and the training that I need. Sometimes that means I don't get to make the same mistakes that other people get to make. And sometimes that means 
being verbally harassed and assaulted by a coworker or being the butt of the jokes for the executives at the company. So I'm constantly, so like for, so for me, um, at that time that this conversation happened, I, you know, like, I think more than anything else, I was just afraid that I'm like, well, what am I going to, like, what am I going to do? You know, like I, I, I was like, you know, I had, I had left my ex-husband. I had moved to the state, right? I, you know, I was like, I don't have any other plans. I don't have any other backup. So for me, more than anything else, it was just like, I think there was this extreme fear that surfaced up and there's the, and so for me, I was just, I was in this fearful state for three weeks. I was paranoid. I was, um, that was it. Like I was, I was traumatized. Of course. I mean, paranoid. Right. Oh, it makes sense because this person who is in the capacity of having you removed from your position, I'm assuming for those three weeks did not act on that. And therefore you could. Oh, no, I, um, today's the day. No, I, so I went in. So what happening was the next day, I, there was a series of things that I had done. I, I believe I sent an email to one of the board of directors okay. and I, very professionally in three bullet points shared with them what exactly had been like or I was just like hey listen I know that you have um I know like on this person's website their personal page I did some research like you know the inner SDR that I have yeah and I found a blog post that they had about their own personal journey of trying to figure out how to how to you know be more supportive and accommodating and, and foster more cultures of diversity and inclusion and I was like, okay, I see this article that you have. Um, I really like this quote that you have as well. You know, how are you, essentially it's like, how, how are you um, working with your portfolio companies on also upholding these values that you yourself say you have? And so then he emailed me back and asked me the question, um, uh, He's like, I, you know, I'm still on a journey and, uh, and I, um, and he asked me, he's like, is there something happening at the company that you're at? And I shared with him what was happening. So, uh, so that was, that was actually, that's probably like the day after, cause we had also, we were also going off for winter holiday. So, um, no, the day after the conversation with the colleague, not the colleague, not the conversation, but the, the assault, the verbal assault from my colleague, I went into the company the next day. Um, I actually s let the HR person know. I let my boss know, and I let his boss's bosses know what had happened, fairly succinctly. Nothing, not, not too many details. Just I wanted to let you know if this happened, and I'm not okay. Um, I had my meeting with the with the executive. I did not let him know anything of of that conversation that I had. Um, but I, and I, and at that point in time, I also had a conversation with a mentor and cause I, I was, I was like, Hey, listen, I, to my mentor, I was like, I, I can't make it today. Like, I'm not, I'm not in a, I'm not in a solid space. He's like, call me please. And I shared with him what was happening. And he very kindly, um, pushed me to go and seek legal counsel. He's like, you need to protect yourself, which I did. Um, and so when I got back from winter break, I took a leave of absence. And I never, 
actually I did go, uh, yeah. So I, and I, I never, I never worked at that company again. You know, I think there's a lot of people that would have just taken her advice and shut up and said nothing and decided I, I need this job did. and this paycheck. And, um, no, I, I almost did. I almost did. I, I think there were certain, there were certain things there are, um, I didn't, I didn't get a lot, like there were people at that company that I wish I had gotten more support from. I'm not going to lie about that. Mm -hmm. That, that being said, what I do believe is that there were people who, even if, even though they didn't sh demonstrate the kind of support that I wish I had had at that time, I do believe these are also people who cared about me. Um, and there were certain, so, and, and there were certain things that they noticed about me. So like there was characteristic changes that I had. Um, and I remember there was one day in part, there was one, one day in particular, cause this was after the like after the experience with the colleague, um, that's like, I couldn't even listen to her. Like I, I would hear her voice and it's like, I would shut down completely. So I remember being at work one day and I was always the kind of person who wanted to be available. I would do side-by-side -side coaching with my team, right? I'd be joking around with folks, everything. And um, and I remember my boss at the time, his desk would, like if he was standing at his desk, he could see me, right? Like kind of like down the hallway. And so I just remember my colleague walked into work and uh, and she was talking and, and, and it's like my whole body shut down. I, was, I remember typing, I was standing up and I was typing. As soon as I heard her voice, I was just like, I was like, I can't work. I can't, even if I wanted to work. So I would have stayed, honestly, like I probably would have stayed. I couldn't, I kept, I, I just shut down completely. And I was like, I had to put in headphones to try and like block her voice out. My boss noticed, he's like, as, he's like, as soon as you put your headphones in, I knew that there was something wrong. Because I was never the kind I never would put my headphones in. So um, I don't think I think after that, yeah. So that day I was that's when I was supposed to have the meeting with my mentor, who did not work at that company. Um, and he's like, call me, and I let him know what was happening, and he was just like, listen. He's like, unfortunately, he had heard of also some horrendous stories that had happened, um, not that company, but the companies that he had worked for in the past. And he's like, you, he's like, he's like, you can't, he's like, you have to seek legal counsel. Cause like, essentially he's like, if you stay, it's just probably going to get worse. He's like, I've seen it happen. So, um, so that's what I did. I met with a lawyer, um, and if that was on a Tuesday, I put in my leave of absence on a Friday. So you removed yourself from the situation. Um, but it's still quite a traumatic thing. And oh, it's terrible. It's all of these, all of these different things sort of combining for you. It kind of makes sense. I don't want to say the words make sense, but. No, it does. It's less surprising it's now when when we look at it from why you ended up going into your breakdown because you had these experiences where you were actively fighting against the paradigm that you were in. You had removed yourself from a 
from an unsuccessful marriage with uh, with an abusive person, and you had come to notice that this is not okay, therefore breaking the paradigm of uh, this is what I deserve. You come back uh, and you um, start working in what, or you start looking for jobs in what you think you're going to be good at, and turns out you're good at something completely else. Uh, and you end up working for a company and working for somebody who treats you in a way that you're not expecting to be treated with. Um, but, and you're successful in this. You're unequivocally successful in it. Again, breaking the paradigm. And all of a sudden, we're starting to believe that this is, that there is a, that there is another way of doing things. You move, you go, okay, let me try this again. You do it again, and then you get let go. Um, but in that six month time, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of chaos. So here we are now looking at this one year period in this last company. And there's all your, you seem to be doing well in a professional sense, but there are these constant and consistent drawbacks, these microaggressions, as you call them. And it's, it's, it's this new paradigm coming in of, <laughs> I'm this badass bitch that I'm trying to be, followed by these, these constant and consistent drawbacks of, yeah, but this comment, or but this comment, pulling you back into, his, yeah. into an older paradigm. I don't even think at that, at that company, I had that boss, boss lady mindset. No? It was no. a survival more so it, than anything it, else? Yeah, well, like as I mentioned, like I when I came into sales, I was like, all right, there's this person I'm aspiring to be, right? I'm aspiring to be a boss. Doesn't mean that I met I am a boss yet, right? But I was like, That's I'm aspiring true. to be a boss. And I get into right, I get into this company and I have an opportunity to show up and shout show out in magnificent ways. Uh-huh. And and um but that was the, I guess there was that one piece of, that was the only area in my life that I could show up and show out in. And then you were told to know your place. Right? And then it wasn't, so that first company, uh, no, it was an amazing, amazing experience, but I got let go, mm-hmm. right? Then I go to this other company who promotes me, moves me out West, then they let me go. Mm-hmm. And then I have to go, I'm like, who was I to even think I could be a boss, right? But you know, then it's like I had I had a pause and I had to go. All right, I can do this, right? I'm gonna go in here. I'm gonna make something happen. The end, right? I'm like I, I still there's I here's one thing about me. I'm I'm still. All right, so there's this book called uh, Never Hire a Bad Salesperson Again, and it's all about like they talk about drive, right? Mm-hmm. So like there are, let's say there's three main components, three main factors that influence people's drive, right? And therefore people have these characteristics, these traits, they're probably more likely to be a really solid salesperson, the need to achieve. For me, like this, my, um, there's an inner saboteur assessment. My number one inner critic is the high achiever. Well, that makes sense because of the things we talked about earlier with the pressures that were coming on you from yes, parents. You exactly. need to be that lawyer that I you have know. to, like, I have to achieve. Like you can't, it's not just a matter of, I just need to go in and everything needs to work for me. It's I am willing to do the work required to, to, to be ultra successful. Yeah. That is something that is consi- like that. Well, before in the past, I would just achieve, right. Kind of like, okay, whatever. I'm going to come in here. I'm going to just do whatever I need to do. In the past year or two, I've been like, um, and actually in sales, sales was the first time when I got into sales, it was like, no, I am going to work, like, period. Mm. So for me, there is that need to achieve, and that stays consistent. The years, the um, the second part is 
there's the thrill takes thrill in competition. I grew up playing sports, right? Some of the best times that I had were on a court of some, of some sort, some of the best lead, like the, like some of the best leaders, the best leaders I've ever had were my sports coaches when I was growing up. It's actually a couple, my first basketball coach, Mr. Pankratz, and then my high school volleyball coach, Mrs. Pankratz, right? <laughs> they were the best. Um, and, and then there's this third one, which is optimism. It's a deep-seated belief in one's abilities, deep-seated belief in one's abilities to make things happen. I have those three things. So like, I think there is this piece of, no matter what gets thrown my way, I am who I am. I have the characteristics that I have. Doesn't even matter like the beliefs that I've carried with me. I've always had those three things. Which explains why now after all of this, you're still in the world of sales. You're still very much in the world yes. of tech sales. Yeah, um, so there is, and you've I, blended. I was gonna say, what? I was like, I'm just, I'm learning. I'm learning how to bring this in rather than it just being in sales. I'm learning how to, this is something I'm working on with my coach right now, which is, okay, work has been an outlet, school's been an outlet where I can express those three things mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, but if I, as I mentioned, if I could only experience something like showing up and showing out at work, right? Like then all of my satisfaction and fulfillment is built, is, is contingent upon work. So the challenge yeah, the challenge for me is, or the opportunity for me is, okay, like I've, um, I've definitely, like, uh, here's the experience that happened. I had my breakdown. I also, during that time, got in trouble with the cops, got a misdemeanor, wasn't working, couldn't get a job, which was frustrating. And as I can look back at it, a total gift Mm. because that's where I got to figure myself out as a person. Absolutely. More so than the titles. I had no title. I had, it was just me. Who's Gabrielle wrote the title? Just, and so I, I had said this, there's a, there's a kind of a podcast that I was on a few months ago. Um, and, and I talked about, uh, you know, having, I think I just briefly mentioned, I had, you know, kind of had this breakdown. I wasn't working and I talked about, it's just, it's just me and my thoughts. That was it. Right. And I, and that's where that quote, that Lao Tzu quote becomes super, super powerful for me is again, cause it goes, all right, Hey, like, let me look at what's going on in my world. Right. Let me track it back to something. Okay. My thoughts, what do I think about myself? And so I'm like, well, shoot, again, where do thoughts come from? Oh, they come from beliefs. What do I believe? What are my deep seated beliefs? And so I actually have during that time that I took off, uh, so number one, I started my first time I started a journal was when I was 16. I'm 30 now. Um, and I had probably from 16 to 27, right up until that breakdown, I had probably only written or finished, let's say seven journals. Mm-hmm. I, so seven, right. So I got about 30 now. I have now completed 37 journals. So 30 in the last three years. And even in the past year, I've only done one. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so, because you went yeah, so through this, I, <laughs> this period of time where everything was changing. You were figuring out who you were, what these beliefs yeah. were, what, how to challenge them. Yeah, so um, I just, I, and so a, a big part of what enabled me to do that was I just wrote down every single thing that I thought. 
And then I, then I would write it down and I would just look at it. And that's how I got to challenge it. Like I'd go, ooh, do I really believe that? Do I wanna believe that? No, I don't. So I would reverse it. Like, so if I thought, wow, I, um, just give me an example. If I was just like, oh man, I was so stupid. I'm like, I'm smart, right? It's like, well, I can learn, you know? So I, um, like I had that, I would find tools, like, um, yeah, I'd find tools to help me explore my own psyche, my own beliefs, the way that I perceived the world, the way I perceived myself, especially. So I use, like, I started to explore a lot of divination tools, like tarot cards. I got crystals to try and figure out, okay, like, how can I tune into these different energies? Um, and so I actually, like, during that time off, I, more than anything else, because, like, I feel like with that breakdown, the experience that I had was I got to see them. I got to see, like, oh, hey, like, life has been rough. It's just been rough. Like it's, whew, it's been tough. It's been heavy. And I was at it. Like I was in a state where I could appreciate, I could appreciate all of it. Like I, there was no doubting. It was that happened. <gasps> oh, you know, like if anything, it was, just, it was, I think it was more so this experience of really being able to hold the full magnitude of my grief all at once, which was incredibly overwhelming. Hence the breakdown but also it's just one of the experiences that I had to, that I had to have, I feel like to recognize I can't just sweep things under the rug anymore. Like I got to get rid of that altogether. So then when I came out, I had to learn how to hold space for my grief. I had to learn how to hold space for my emotions. I had to learn how to like, like, okay, cool. What is the belief set well, it that's like going to help enable me to do this? So like, for me, it's like, I, I started, I like, during the breakdown, everything, like we ripped out the whole house, ripped out the foundation. <laughs> and then it's like, all right, like, let's start from new and let me build something that's going to be sustainable for, sustainable for myself. And I think next week, I think we're going to target exactly that. We're going to target what you rebuilt, how you rebuilt yeah. it, why you rebuilt it. Today, we have looked at why you did what you did between the ages of 10 and 27 and looking down at my notes here something that's really popping out and i think the, a big element of the why was that initial paradigm it was that initial paradigm of i don't deserve x um and that was why you did what you did and why you accepted what you accepted and why things and it's been very interesting i i think your your actual now i'm going to be a little bit biased in this but I feel, I feel like your, the beginning of your career into sales actually was a beginning of a journey out of that, um, in that it gave you quite a bit of, a, quite a bit of, of, of performance in an area that you could perform really well in. Um, yeah. But I think we're going to target the rest of that next week. Um, damn, today got heavy, didn't it? I love it. Today, today um, did heavy. There's one thing I'm going to say this, like the, the belief there is the, I don't deserve X. I think there's something that's more that's, that's under it, which is I am not blank enough. I am not blank enough. Well, right. So, cause then it's like, I'm not blank enough to be deserving of. Are you enough now? 
so funny enough, like, um, I got, uh, I have a, a password. I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is, but it is, it, it's an affirming statement. <laughs> Anybody trying to get into Gabrielle's computer now? No, it's just like affirming it does it does affirm that that is uh and, and honestly and that's been more recent right of like mm-hmm. especially I, I shared with you some of the things that were happening we're not going to mention it here but i shared with some with you some of the things that are happening more recently and i'm really really more than anything else super grateful for the experiences that i've had in the past because had i not gone through it learn how to rebound from it like reinforced my belief, not even just re- like gotten rid of um, or become aware of the belief systems that would trigger me into going, oh, I deserve this bad thing or this terrible experience, but instead to go, you know what? No. Because the experience that I'm you're a- going through now is a common experience, which you don't have to necessarily accept, but uh, no, it's not, can, it's also doesn't seem to be one of those things whereby it you can, serve, it doesn't serve me. That's, no. I think that's the big part, right? But it's Which also is, not extreme enough to warrant an extreme reaction. It's one of those things that I think you could talk I'm about. Not gonna, but yeah, that's a big thing. Like, or I think about that where I go, it doesn't warrant an extreme reaction and I don't want it to get to the extreme. Been there, done that cost me a lot. Well, you've learned that what you do want to and do not want to tolerate so yeah. far. And I think... It's a journey, right? I was like, I'm not going to miss that call again. No, absolutely not. No. Um, <laughs> well, look, thank you very much for, for joining me today. Um, I think today is going to be an exceptionally long episode, although I'm really glad that it is. Um, and I will catch up with you next week when we does it, when we look at why you do what you do now, why you, why you do what you do today. All right, sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. And there we have it. Today's episode was a slog. Today we learned about how Gabrielle came to learn about her own thought patterns and how whether or not, decided whether or not they were serving her. We learned about her relationship with her dad, how she grew a strength that she didn't know that she'd had and how she got knocked down both in normal life and in her work life. And then of course there's that incident that we talked about for the last 40 minutes which brought us down the realm of racism and overt racism in the workplace. Today's episode was different. Today's episode is one that I have never experienced before and there was a lot of learnings out of today. Gabrielle has been very, very strong through all of this and has come through it with a mindset of I'm quite weak. Um, it's it's interesting for those of us on the outside how she could be going through quite a few of these different things and still considering herself to be not enough. And that's a mindset that she's had and it looks like that she could be predispositioned to have for a while. This idea of I'm not enough. If you have the same predisposition, if you are listening to this and it has triggered things for you, I hope Gabrielle's story will be able to tell you that you are, because as we talk to her, as we hear from her, we don't get the sense of somebody being weak, even though that's their own interpretation of themselves, or was. Thankfully, she has, uh, she's changed her mind about herself quite recently. Gabrielle's why has become a curiosity about herself, 
And I hope her learning about why she does what she does has helped you to learn why you do what you do. Next week, we talk about something else, and I hope you'll come and join us then. Until then, have a good evening.